superchargers, headlights, and more. With over 122 million parts, eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Stay on your A-game with all the parts you need at the prices you want. It's easy to bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Let's go live. Introducing. This is the Rich Eisen Show. Get the word out. Rich Eisen Show. Live from the Rich Eisen Show studio in Los Angeles. I was shot a basketball, like maybe like April 5th. Can't wait to hear uh, Rasheed Wallace talk to Anthony Davis. I think that's the <laughs> That should just be taped. Today's guests, author Alan Shipnock, Fox Sports NFL analyst Michael Vick. ESPN NBA analyst Jeff Van Gundy, plus your phone calls and more. And now, it's Rich Eisen. Yes, it is. Welcome to this edition of the Rich Eisen Show live on a Tuesday, right in the middle of the month of June in 2022. Back here in the chair of the Rich Eisen Show, took off yesterday, tapped out to be at uh, my two youngest's step up ceremony in their grade school watched them step up from third to fourth grade and from fifth to sixth grade big day big day yesterday glad i was able to tap out and i appreciate uh john sally for sitting in this chair and expertly navigating three hours of this program with my gents who are back here on nbc sports on peacock and sirius xm channel 85 good to see you over there chris brockman good to see you sir hey rich jason feller good to see you fella here today tj jefferson has lit the candle or he's attempting to right now uh, on odyssey (laughs) and this terrestrial radio station having having the rich eyes and show coast to coast have i tap danced long enough for you to successfully light that candle? when you said step up i thought this was a sequel to the channing tatum movie so i didn't know what you were no you were doing no i guess it's a 21st century phrase gotcha i was like why couldn't we be going from uh, when you go from one grade school grade grade to another you you get you step up Step up. Okay. That's what's up. That's what's up. Nothing to do with Chance. That's right. Tatum. Chance Wait, the rapper was not was there yesterday. You didn't know that's what they uh, called it. You know what? We'll we'll discuss. Let's discuss this a little bit later, because uh, Game Five went down last night. Did it? Game uh, Five I, I, went I, I, down I, last night I, in I, the I Bay it. Area. What a what a big time basketball game that was last night. No, I, it was terrible. I really enjoyed the act. That third quarter last night was dynamite. Certainly when the Celtics. Turn the tables on the Golden State Warriors in the third quarter. I was concerned for you last night, Chris, after the Celtics fell down early and then dug themselves back into this game. And halftime, I'm like, "Uh uh-oh, here come the Warriors with their usual third quarter. And the the script was totally turned upside down. And the Celtics were the ones who came out of that locker room and hit the Warriors directly in the mouth. And that third quarter last night – from start to the last second when Jordan Poole let loose and the ball had just left his fingertips with one-tenth of a second left 
on the clock and Jason Tatum rising and firing and Marcus Smart doing his thing and the Celtics bench doing their thing and the defense was buzzing and the Golden State Warriors were on the ropes. And then the fourth quarter hit and Andrew Wiggins did his thing. Second consecutive game with a monster double-double for this former first overall drafted player out of Kansas. And Andrew Wiggins stepping up on a night where this is – now this is the proverbial phrase you always say, kind of fill in the blank. It's kind of like a Mad Lib. You just change the name of the proper noun of the GOAT player that we're talking about and the uh, statistics that you know are poor. You could just kind of fill them in. If I had told you, that's the way the sentence begins. What if I told you? Yeah, what if I told you? What if I told you that Curry, fresh off his 40-point game four performance, that is one of those that you'll be talking about when he goes into the Hall of Fame, fresh off of that performance, that he would come up empty from the three-point line. He would go 0 for 9 from the three-point line in this game. And it would be the first time in forever, to use a frozen phrase from Step Up, (laughs) it would be the first time in forever. Let me get you a better date for that. It would be the first time in 133 postseason games, ending the NBA record of streaks, of streaks, 132 straight postseason games with at least a three made. And when you throw in regular season two, Steph Curry had a streak of 233 consecutive games in which he made a three-point shot. And last night, those streaks were broken. If I told you, Chris Brockman, that your team was going to pull that off, you'd think we're, we're, we're in great shape. Win pretty easily. But those bugaboo turnovers came up again. 16 appears to be the over-under line, the Mason-Dixon line, the fail-safe point. If the Celtics turn it over... More than 16 times, they lose. If they turn it over fewer than that, they win. And they had 18 last night. One, too many. And the officiating wasn't going their way. There was an absolute flop by my Michigan Wolverine, Jordan Poole, called an offensive foul on Marcus Mott. Right in front of Tony Brothers, shocking. Who calls it the other way. And, you know, once again, I, I... I just I just think you should use your challenge there. You hold on to it to the end. I guess the, the, the possessions become so tight at the end of the game. You just never know when you can actually turn the tide with a challenge. I know the Warriors attempted to do it earlier on in the second half to try and prevent Draymond Green from picking up another foul. There was also it one earlier work, in the game where it was an auto porter just literally was, tripped over right. his own feet. Correct. And they called the foul just because he threw it up and it looked bad. Right, and it looked bad. And... They- but neither here nor there. No, we it, it, I, I, look. I get on the officiating a lot, but there was no excuse yesterday. We're just a dumb basketball team. We're dumb. We're young. Uh, the inexperience is really showing the last couple of nights, and we just do dumb things. I can't say it enough. Like last year, they were talking about how the Bucks were a dumb team. Oh, we we blow that out of the water. Just the turnovers and the bad shots and the just not smart play. Uh, Tatum needs to really learn how to be aggressive. I think. His youth and kind of immaturity on a big stage like this is really coming out. He's not aggressive. 
He's fading away. He continually whines at the officiating. It drives me insane. As I think it drives the fan. coach insane too. You could see, you could see it drives the it's coach a little so bit insane too. It's just so frustrating to think. And like I said it yesterday, and, and you know, John Sally tried to talk me off the ledge, but it really feels like blowing game four as they did at home, uh, controlling that whole game and having a ten point lead most of the time, and then just absolutely pooping the bed in the last five minutes. It felt like they gave away the championship. And I feel uh, that, and I, I feel I'm that right now. No, I and I feel like, look, and I feel like on Thursday in Boston, there's going to be a celebration, and it's going to be for the Golden State. Warriors. I don't know. I, I, you know, we we have a couple of days to chew on whether there's going to be a game seven or not. Just doesn't last feel, night, I, hey, look, like last night Tatum, I thought in the second half in that third quarter, he was terrific. He was sublime. He was making his shots. He was drawing defenders. He was making. He he had an incredible skip pass from one side of the arc all the way to the opposite corner that led to, I think Grant Williams found somebody underneath for a hoop too. He was making all the right plays. And if he could put together four quarters like that. And that's the thing, can't. I mean, he had one shot in the first quarter last night. What are we doing? So, and and then unfortunately for you, the, the good Draymond Green showed up last night. The really, really good Draymond Green, the, the the loose ball diving, fan high fiving, lane driving, dishing. Sound like Ric Flair. <laughs> Draymond Green. That's what we saw last night in the first quarter when Steph began having his O for night. And then Andrew Wiggins, man. He's been awesome. Andrew Wiggins has been nothing short of terrific. And he is rising and firing from two-point range. He's getting the mid-range jumper going down. He's getting to the basket. I mean, the one aspect of this Warriors team there's that 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 is pleasantly surprising outside of Jordan Poole's ascendancy and obviously the playoffs, as these playoffs have matriculated, Poole has found it more and more difficult to stay on the floor because of his defense. And he hasn't gotten into the flow. He had some big games early on in the playoffs. And I think, you know, some big boy pants are are, are arriving in the form of the Celtics defense in there. And the offense is finding him every single time he's on the floor defensively. He appears to be a liability. But outside of Jordan Poole's remarkable season, the pleasant surprise has been Andrew Wiggins playing to the first overall selection level of play that the Timberwolves were hoping for all that time. And on top of it, the one aspect of Wiggins that nobody saw coming this year, and certainly in these finals, in these playoffs, is Andrew Wiggins, the posterizer. (laughs) I mean, he did it to the Mavs, as you know. And he did it last night to the Celtics, just jamming it down when the crowd needs to just get off their feet. Again, Suze took... Cooper to game five last night. He's a diehard Celtic fan. He was wearing his Celtic zip up oh, during during the step up yesterday because he, he was great. he needed to wear it before he went to the airport. She took him to the game last night, and part of me was even though I knew he was disappointed in the final result, I was disappointed for him too. Is that he in the building for a big time Warriors game? Didn't see one Steph Curry three point shot go in <laughs> wow, because yeah. because. Because, as you know, 
a, a way of building can be electrified by a certain player when a certain player does a certain thing. It's so rare in sports. You're seeing it right now with the Yankees when Aaron Judge goes yard. You saw it all those years ago when Marshawn Lynch scored a touchdown in front of the 12s. J.J. Watt coming up with a big sack turnover of any sort in NRG Stadium in Houston. That's the sort of stuff you get a player plugged in like the Matrix with a coaxial cable to the fan base and their performance electrifies the entire arena. That's what Steph does for that place. And in lieu of that last night, a Clay Thompson three will suffice, but nothing like a Steph three. Wiggins going down the lane and jamming it down. That's the sort of juice that he's bringing to this team as well. That play and then Draymond Green diving into the crowd in the first quarter, landing on a a patron, so, an unsuspecting lady, a pa- took, you took know, her out, took her out, <laughs> and then he 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 makes sure she's okay, and the whole arena is a- embracing him because he's checking to see if a fan is okay, and he's high five and fans. That's the sort of juice that the Warriors got from Game Five last night, and put the Celtics right there at their backs against the wall. And the Warriors are now one game away from winning it all. We'll talk about it with Jeff Van Gundy. Took a red eye to Boston last night. He'll join us. Um, And one of the things I definitely want to talk to him about is not just the game, but I don't know if you – did you stick all the way around at the end last night? I did not. Okay. (laughs) About four minutes left. (laughs) Trayvon Green fouled out. And he's he's now fouled out in three of five finals games. Last player to do that was Dale Davis in it for the 2000 Pacers. Wow. And that stat comes up on the screen. And this is like with two and a half to go, three okay, to go. And, and, uh, and Van Gundy turns to Mark Jackson and says, those 2000 Pacers were a dirty team. <laughs> oh, gosh. And Jackson had an issue with that. What do you mean by dirty? And Van Gundy even said, oh, let's throw Antonio Davis in there, too. And as a Nick fan of the 2000s and the aughts and the 90s, <laughs> I, I greatly appreciated Van Gundy caping. That's funny. He, he, he said you were a terrific team, but Mark Jackson truly took umbrage with that. And I, I made a note saying I got to ask Van Gundy about that today and dive into it a little bit more. Because, you know, that is part of these playoffs that you're hearing so much, certainly on, on the worldwide leader when J.J. Reddick's throwing his game around so considerably on the morning shows. But, uh, you know, the certain era yep. of basketball currently uh, wouldn't really survive in the sharp elbow throwing era of the Davises, if you will, from back in that day. Yeah. That was it, man. The 2000, that was a good team. They lost in the finals to the Lakers. It's kind of understandable how you would foul out when you had that Dale. era shack. Oh, yeah, yeah. right, right, right. Like, right. As well, we were talking about yesterday. Well, they were the hacking most, them to get them to, to the line and well, all the business. There was and, literally nothing you could do with 2000 Shaquille O'Neal. Nothing. He was un, He was the most unstoppable player well, I've ever seen. Yeah, just had to throw a dirty team at them. <laughs> and that didn't even do And again, it. as an Eastern Conference basketball fan then, as you know, uh, James Dolan has beaten the Knicks fandom out of me. Uh, although I shouldn't use that phrase when it involves Madison Square Garden fans these days. Um, from my hometown of Staten <laughs> Island, apparently. Staten Island, yeah. I know. Wait, 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 I missed that. What happened? Uh, don't oh, worry man. about it. Not good. Just Google it, yeah. Ranger game. Yeah. Oh, um, no. So... Um, 
Jeff and Gundy, top of hour three. Uh, right in the middle of the show, Michael Vick. In 15 minutes' time, Deshaun Watson is slated to appear oh, man. at the Browns' mandatory minicamp, and I'm told he's going to speak to the press, and I have no earthly idea what that, that press conference is going to sound like or go like. And it, it, all I can say, it, it, it can't be good. Apparently, two more lawsuits are coming. Jeez. That would bring it to 26. Mm-hmm. And by all accounts, Watson looks terrific in camp. FYI. He's an awesome, he's an awesome player. FYI. So mandatory mini camp final weeks, uh, final week of that this week. Michael Vick will be joining us in the middle of hour number two to just talk some ball, talk some football. Uh, but coming up next on this program, we're going to talk a little bit of golf. It's the United States Open Week. And um, we're fresh off of the first live golf tournament week the rbc canadian open wrapped up with is he your favorite player right now rory McIlroy? Uh, you know if you were, if we're going to put tiger no, off I mean, to the yes. side just because he's kind of you know going through his own things yeah for sure i think so i love rory and he came up with the dub he was and he was spectacular over the and he time. threw a little bit of shade and and so um we're going to talk about all this with alan shipnuck the reporter of the Fire Pit Collective and the author of that unauthorized biography of Phil. He's the one who also got um, removed from a live tournament press conference last week with Greg Norman staring it all down and then denying that he even knew that it took place. Alan Shipnuck will join us from the Country Club in uh, Brookline, Mass., where, by the way, the 99 Ryder Cup went down all those years ago. I was at one of those days. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. Oh, man, that's awesome. Yeah, it was just a hop, skip, and a jump from Bristol then. And I was trying to date Susie Schuster, who <laughs> had the tickets. You know, those so, are always our favorite stories. Yes. Nailed it. Because I'll have questions. <laughs> oh, my God. So there's all of that. Why do I? Why am I too? I'm too damn honest in this chair. How about the other I day? Share too yeah, much. But it's so good, <laughs> Chris. The other day, I said, "How quickly did he ask her out again after he, she turned him down?" And he was like, "Immediately." immediately. No, you didn't ask me that. You're it was like the eight ball. You pocket. asked me that, assuming it took a very long time. You were going to use that information yes. against me when I was asking the magic eight ball a question. It said, "Ask again, try again later," and I went right away. And you're like, "Hold on a minute, how long did it take to you ask Susie out again after she first rejected you?" And you had no idea. My answer was actually it was just as fast as me asking the eight ball on that question. Cracking up at home from that. <laughs> at any rate, Alan Shipnuck's going to join us. Oh, that was when the days Del Tufo came to work. Eight four four two zero four Rich is the number to dial. Don't you dare move. There's lots going on in the world of the National Football League. The Cowboys want to run the football. Yeah. With their quarterback. Oh, oh my gosh. It's going to be an overreaction Tuesday because it was out yesterday. Thanks again to at the John Sally for sitting in this Spider. here chair. It was fun uh, checking all that out on our YouTube page, youtube.com slash Rich Eisen Show. We are back with, in case you missed, how Rory handled his win in Canada and Phil's appearance in front of the media at the U.S. Open yesterday, causing me a little bit of concern. We'll hit on all that with Alan Shipnuck of the Fire Pit Collective and best-selling author and a man who knows what it looks like to see a man in London without a neck telling him to get out of a press conference. 
Let's talk game time. Boy, do we love using game time tickets at the Rich Eisen Show. And every single time I've been watching the basketball playoffs on TV, I've been wondering what it would be like to be at these games. And when you choose your tickets on game time, you can see the view from your seat where the court is, where you are in relation to it. And then the all-in prices, that's my favorite feature. The all-in prices make sure that you see the lowest price guarantee and also know exactly how much everything costs costs all in before you purchase. So all the guesswork is removed when you buy playoff tickets with Game Time. Download the Game Time app, create an account, and use my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Terms apply. Visit GameTime.co for restrictions. Again, create an account, redeem my code RICH for $20 off your first purchase. Download Game Time today. Last-minute tickets, lowest price guaranteed. Hey, folks, it's time for the NFL draft, which means for me, I need a good night's sleep because if I don't have one, I'm just not myself. You know the deal. You know exactly how important it is to have quality sleep. It's a game changer for all of us. So sleep number helps me. My sleep number setting is 60. My wife's setting is 70. We both get a great night's sleep because we could adjust the firmness of our mattress on each side. Improve your quality sleep because Sleep Number learns how you sleep thanks to their smart beds and provide personalized insights to help you sleep better. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Before Alan Shipnuck from the Fire Pit Collective, Collective joins us, uh, Chris Brockman's favorite player, currently active on the tour, is uh, Tigers on the Shelf till uh, the Open Championship. Uh, Rory McIlroy. Love him. I mean, you, you want to talk, I mean, the PGA Tour has got to just give him the biggest hugs and throw the, the biggest rose petals at his feet yeah. because, and the, and the first weekend where the Live Tour exists, he goes to Canada and just shoots the lights out and is one of the most famous players, maybe the most famous player outside of Tiger Woods that didn't take the money from the Saudis. Pretty much, yeah. Okay, a guy from Ireland is now defending the PGA Tour's credibility and faith and credit. And and he goes out there, he wins it, and then throws shade at Greg Norman, who has 20 career tour wins. Just wanted to give you that information before throwing to the soundbite. Yeah, this is the day I'll remember for a long, long time. Uh, 21st PGA Tour win, uh, one more than someone else. Uh, that gave me a little bit of extra incentive today, and I'm um, happy to get it done. Okay. That's some shade thrown from Canada all the way to Australia with London and the Atlantic Ocean in between. And it's a big deal, Rich, because this is the first time this event's been taking place since 2019. So Rory was the defending champion. That's true. But they last played in 2019. Obviously, the pandemic, Canada has huge. a little stricter regulation, so they took the last two years huge, off. Huge headlines. Huge. And so the most famous player and world-known player on the Live Tour, Phil Mickelson, faced the music, if you will, before the American press uh, and international press writ large at the United States Open yesterday. And there's no other way to put it. He just looks and sounds like a shell of his former self. This is him reacting to how he has been received uh, back here in the States and at this event and how he feels he might be received on the PGA Tour. 
I have um, I have the utmost respect for the players on PGA Tour. Uh, there have been a lot of friendships that have gone on for decades uh, with Amy and myself. There have been a lot of uh, memories that we shared, experiences that we shared. And there, many of the players on PGA Tour are people that um, I look up to and respect the most. Um, I think that um, I... I think that um, I respect if they disagree, um, but at this time, this was this is the right decision. Joining us now on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line from Boston, Massachusetts, a man who knows Phil very well and uh, knows uh, the uh, security guards at the Live Tournament uh, probably a little bit better than he thought he would, uh, based on him getting ejected from Phil's post-match press conference in London last week from the Fire Pit Collective and the best-selling author of Phil, none other than Alan Shipnuck here on the Mercedes-Benz Vans phone line on the Rich Eisen Show. How are you doing, Alan? I'm doing great. Thanks for having me, Rich. So uh, I just have to give you uh, an idea since you're on the phone. Um, don't be alarmed, but Greg Norman is standing behind me staring at you right now, <laughs> Alan. It's very that, odd. That's an eerily um, familiar feeling, actually. <laughs> it's very, 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 very strange. Um, so I, I just want to jump into that real quick before we get to the here and now with you at the uh, side of the United States Open. Um have you spoken to Greg Norman? Last I heard was about all this is the the text exchange that you had with him after a live golf uh, security guard was trying to remove you from Phil Mickelson's post match press conference last week, Alan. Yeah, he never. Greg never responded to my text, and then actually the next day I was walking into the tournament and he was he was coming in my direction with his um, you know public relations slack, and she said, "Hi, Alan." I was like. Oh, hi, Jane. Hi, Greg. And he never looked at me. He just kept marching forward. It was kind of awkward. And then uh, he didn't come in after, you know, could have been one of the crowning moments of his life. He actually launched this live thing and setting aside all the geopolitical uh, questions. I mean, it's pretty impressive what they built from scratch. And, they, you know, he did it. He pulled it off. And I thought he would come into the press room and crow about it. But he was he was ducking reporters again. So I haven't had any chance to chat things over with Greg and haven't even really made eye contact with him. So it was, you know, I guess it's on brand. He just, he just kind of, um, he just didn't, didn't want to deal with, uh, with me or, or the repercussions of what he had done. So I, I, so he, um, is standing behind you as you are being removed from this press conference. You text him about it. He says essentially, Oh, thanks for letting me know. I had no idea. You then text him the photograph uh, showing how he knew exactly uh, what was happening. He knew it had a complete idea. He totally knew. And then he doesn't even respond to that. He just lets he just he just ghosts you after that. Is that what you're saying? <laughs> That's a good verb. Yeah. An interesting twist in the days afterwards. Uh, doing some just some investigative reporting, which is actually not really that's too strong a term, but um it turns out that it wasn't Greg. This is what I'm told. You know, you have to take all the grain of salt. Sure. But, um, it wasn't Greg who actually called the goons on me. It was actually Phil's people. And Greg could have had some plausible deniability if he wasn't standing right there watching. I mean, it's his show. He could have certainly stepped in and said, uh, Jen, how, how can I help you? Or, you know, he, he was certainly in a, in a 
position to intervene. He just let it happen. So um, it's kind of you can you can spread the culpability. I mean, it's actually to me it's more troubling really that. And I'm, you know, again, I don't even know if Phil knew what was going on. He was up there talking, and I was kind of in the back row of this scrum. But you know, he has this overzealous kind of manager, and his swing coach was standing there, and they may have just unilaterally decided um, to make it happen. But it's almost more troubling if it's the player who's ejecting a, a reporter. Like they just don't have that authority. And if, if it's a tournament organizer, they could they could fall back on on some mealy mouthed. Uh, credentialing issue or something like that because they do they do control that access but for a player to 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 be in charge of booting out of reporters is even worse in my mind so the whole thing is messy and weird and, and just a monumental overreaction well i mean the, so then let me just ask you what uh you know uh I, some others who when i tweeted about it and spoke about it last week responded with and i'll place it before you since you're telling me uh, you believe Phil's people were the ones who removed you from the press conference, and then we could move on since I know that reporters don't want to be part of the story. Um, but what about the idea that you, what else would you, Alan, expect from appearing at a Phil Mickelson press event at the Live Golf Tournament since it was you who put the quote out there and you're doing your job? But what about that narrative, Alan? How do you respond to that? Yeah, I mean, Phil doesn't have to answer my questions. He could blow it off, or he could he could he could come back at me. Um, but it, it's it's pretty weak to just not even allow reporters to stand there and do their job. And uh, you know, it, same same with the tournament organizers. They credentialed me. Like if, if they're going to give me a credential, it makes no sense. Then you know, be tacitly approve the ejection. Like just if they didn't want me there, they should have credentialed me. And once I'm there, you know, I'm, I'm just going to do my job. And um, if, if we go down this road where players get to vet and approve every question that's asked of them by the by the press, then it, you know, we're we're lapsing into really weird territory. And uh, you know, Phil's a pro; he's a master manipulator of the media. You saw that in his press conference at, uh, at, the, at the U.S. Open yesterday. So uh, he, he can handle himself. He, he took a lot of tough questions, and I, I thought he dealt with them pretty well yesterday so you know i was never gonna it was never designed for me to ask him some gotcha question or put him on the spot i mean i just wanted to ask him some boring golf stuff but um i don't know i, I don't think we want to live in a world where um, athletes have approval of every question they're going to get asked and that what's the point of even having reporters and it doesn't serve the fans i mean we're we're the fan surrogates like we get to ask the players the questions that they would like to have answered and so um you're really hurting the fans because then they're just going to get you know bland, sterilized, uh, boring reporting. It just it doesn't suit anybody. I mean, it's an entertainment product, the whole thing. I mean, we're not we're not curing cancer here. It's just golf. It's not a big deal. So um, for them to to try and, you know, strong arm the whole situation was just weird and unnecessary. Alan Shipnuck here uh, on the Rich Eisen Show. So now that we're at the U.S. Open, a live tournament is in the books. Rory McIlroy, of all people, wins the first PGA Tour event that's running – concurrent with the first ever live tour and he shoots a 62 he wins he talks about how he's not got one career win more than greg norman or someone else right he mentions and um so where do where do things stand going into the u.s open week between these two tours alan (laughs) it's not quite civil war but it's, it's heading in that direction i mean 
I personally love the bitchiness and people throwing shade. Like it's just funny. It's supposed to be such a genteel sport, but it's not. It's not shaping up that way. Um, I mean, it's entertaining. Like, um, it's but it's also very personal. I think Rory's comments made that clear because, you know, if he doesn't want to go to Saudi Arabia, he doesn't want to take their money. But if they poach a lot of the top players, it devalues his whole career. Like he can go and win Jack Nicklaus's memorial, but if all the best players aren't there. It's just not that much fun for Rory. So I think he recognizes this is going to have a direct impact on his on his tour career and and all that stuff. So um, and you know he Rory's kind of established himself as the conscience of the sport, and so it comes from it comes from a very healthy place. But there's also you know he's he's made a business decision, which he's going to align himself with the PG Tour and its sponsors, and and so he he's fighting hard for what he believes is right and. Um, but he also, you know, this is this is his career, and so uh, he he sees that if, if the, the tour is in a precarious place, if they lose their players, the, the whole thing be, be, could be, become Triple A baseball very quickly. So uh, it, it's it's a very fraught moment in golf, and it's very chaotic, and it's it's very interesting. So uh, I don't know if you were flying home or or where you might have been when Jay Monahan appeared in the booth with Jim Nance over the weekend how, how do you feel i guess what's the general sense as well there at the open amongst you and your colleagues and the players you're talking to how jay monahan the pga tour commissioner is handling everything yeah i did i was like over greenland at that point but mm-hmm. i um i did watch it uh, after the fact and you know jay is taking this very personally you know he was sort of seething with indignation and he, he's trying to make this into a moral argument and you know saying no one never had to apologize for being a PGA Tour member and that sort of stuff. And it's a losing argument. The players have already voted with their feet and their pocketbook. They've been playing in Saudi Arabia for years. They play in China where there's actual concentration camps. They play in Qatar. They play in United Arab Emirates. Like They, they go where the money is. They, the, the players have made that very clear. So Jay's trying to shame them and guilt trip them. It's just not going to work. Um, but he doesn't seem to understand that. And he's been outmaneuvered and sort of outfoxed in every turn. Now, he's also, he doesn't have the artillery. I mean, if, if this is becoming a bidding war, which it is, he can't compete with the Saudis. But, um, you know, I've been saying this for a while, and I think last week made it very evident. The tour is already lost. The sooner they admit that and concede defeat and swallow their pride, the better they are going to be. Because Monaghan has said he, he won't even take a call from Norman or, or any of the Saudi folks, that's just prideful. I mean, that's bad business because this is going to, this, the live tour is happening and it's going to, it's going to succeed. And the tour can either be relegated to second tier status or the, the, the smart thing to do is just forge some kind of strategic alliance. That's their favorite term. They did it with the European tour already. Absorb the live events, put them all in the fall when there's not very many good PG tour events anyway. And then, they give, let, allow the players to maintain their tour membership. They can also cherry pick the live events, and then it's the best of both worlds for the players. They, they get to go to back to Pebble Beach and the Riviera and all their favorite places. They get to cash in at these big money live events. For the PGA Tour, it's a win. They strengthen their schedule. They get to keep their stars now, and it's for the Saudis. It's a huge win because they're legitimized by the PGA Tour, which is obviously a, has a very proud, respected organization. So everybody wins, and golf fans get maybe more good tournaments um but that requires the tour to admit 
that they've already lost, and they're very low to do that because they've drawn this line in the sand that we're the good guys and they're the bad guys. And that's a hard negotiating position to be in when you villainize the other people. Like, so I think um, I, I think I think Monahan's going to have to figure this out because <clears throat> here here at, at the Country Club in, in 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 Boston, there's a lot of talk about who's who's going to jump next to the Saudis and. There's a lot of great young players who are now in that conversation. And, you know, the first wave where these old-timers are on the downside of their career decide to go go to the live tour, and, and the tour could spin that like, well, they're just they're just riding off into the sunset. But, you know, Bryson DeChambeau is still a young guy who's not even in his prime. And if you lose a Colin Morikawa and a Xander Shoffley and some of these, these other young talent, uh, the PG Tour has a huge problem. So... Uh, this is this is again. This is a very this is a very important crossroads um, that Monahan is at, and he, he's going to have to take a different tack because what he's doing is not working. Well, you're at the U you know a USGA event this week, and they immediately said when when there was this live tour, um, I guess breakout, and they said everyone could play the U.S. Open. Uh, what about the Royal and Ancient, and what about Augusta? Uh, because it, it, and I understand it's not their fight. I mean, it's just not their fight. Like those organizations put on one tournament a year, right? And it's it, and they care about having the best players, the best field, the best championship. It's not in their interest to get involved in a turf war between rival tours. Like on some level, they don't care. They just want they want their past champions. They want the best players. They want the deepest field. They want the best show for their fans and their TV ratings. So. It's, I think it's a fantastical notion that, that any of these organizations, including Augusta National, is going to ban a bunch of the most popular players in the game, a bunch of Hall of Famers, major championship winners. Like It doesn't serve their interests. So I'm sure they're pushing very hard for a compromise behind the scenes because they just don't want to get involved. I mean, Phil Mickelson and Dustin Johnson are two of the most popular Masters champs of recent years. Why would Augusta not want them there? You know, Bryson DeChambeau is a U.S. Open champion. Uh, you go on, go on down the list. It does not serve the Masters or Augusta National to ban a bunch of players over something that's really not their concern. So, and if, if you want to get really, you know, uh, deep about this, how many Augusta National members have made a fortune with through Saudi Arabia, directly or indirectly? A bunch of them. And do these CEOs want that scrutiny? Like, oh well, your bank does business in Saudi Arabia, but the players can't go over there and take their money too. Like. The inconsistencies become very problematic. And that's just not – I guess the National does not want that smoke. I mean, that's the reason why there's there's women members there now. It's not that all of a sudden they grew a conscience. It's because these CEOs were getting killed for it publicly, saying, really, is this what you support? And they went to the club and said, you got to change this, man. My shareholders are killing me. I'm getting filleted in the press. Like, they don't want to go down that road again. So um, – and, you know, now the RNA, they, they can just look to the USGA and their fellow governing body and say, well, the USGA said it was okay, so we're going to do the same thing. Like, the majors are not going to save the PGA Tour. It's just not going to happen. And lastly for you, Alan, um, Alan Shipnuck here on the Rich Eisen Show, a very simple question as Phil is far more subdued than uh, I've ever seen him. And he, he looks like Barry, you know. I don't know if you see the show from HBO. Uh, I mean, oh, yeah. he, I mean, it's just it, it, it's he's kind of like the the dark side, bizarro Phil Mickelson walking around now. And I guess I'll just ask this question straight up: Is he all right? What do you think, <laughs> Alan? Well, he, he's you know his mom told USA Today a few weeks ago she's never seen him happier, and that he's sort of unencumbered. Okay. I mean, I'm paraphrasing. 
And I think there's something to that. But that was a tough day for Phil. I mean, he, it was like he finally had to face the music. And this new reality set in where he's no longer this beloved elder statesman. He, he's burned up a lot of goodwill. Now, the financial incentive for doing so was amazing, you know, $200 million. But um, wow. I think, you know, a lot of these friendly faces that he's jousted with and joked with in the media, all of a sudden, you know, there was an edge in their questions. And he's hearing a little bit from uh, on the grounds from – from the fans and there's some frosty looks in the locker room. And I think this was all theoretical. Now it's real. And there may be some buyer's remorse there. Um, or at the very least, he's realizing that these cameos of the majors are not going to be as simple as he had hoped. Uh, you know, he can't leave all that baggage at London Heathrow when he flies back from the live event. Like it. So um, I, I think there was a, there was, it was a little bit of a reckoning for Phil. I, I don't know if, if he was thinking, you know, what have I done? But, he certainly felt the emotional impact of this decision, and uh, I agree. I mean, he looked he looked a little defeated, but Phil's proven to be incredibly resilient throughout his whole life and his career, and he, he's bounced back from many controversies and many heartbreaks, and he'll settle in this week. And, you know, I'm not sure the casual fan is, is super tuned into this stuff. I, I think if you're a Boston golf fan, you're just happy that Phil's there. You can watch him play. and He'll take a little shrapnel, but... I think in general the the reception will be people are going to be happy to watch him play golf, and I think they'll feel some love, and that that may that may lift his spirit. Huh. Yeah, he 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 looked a little droopy for sure. Because we you know we were talking last week, and you know we'll talk a little bit more throughout the week. Uh, the reception that that Phil might receive, you know, fans are generally forgiving people. I know, understand. One of the planes that hit one of the towers left Logan Airport. Alan. Oh yeah, no. I mean, that's that's part of the collective memory of Boston for sure. But on another level, if you're a Celtics or a Red Sox fan, you're used to your favorite player leaving for more money. I mean, that's just free agency in sports, right? right? Like your favorite player leaves all the time, and on some level, that's all Phil's done. You know, he, he exercised free agency rights. And, <laughs> I was about to say, I don't know. Another. Did you see Johnny Damon return to Fenway Park once upon a time, Alan? I mean, it was, uh, it was dicey. Yeah, even Wade know, Boggs. They're not as they're not as emotionally invested in, in Phil in that way, but. Now, obviously, the, the X factor in this is that the team that Phil is playing for, a lot of people find quite repugnant on, um, you know, where the money comes from. And, and, you know, we all know the Saudis are, are bad actors on the world stage. So that's clearly the complicating factor. If if the Live Tour was floated by a European bank or, you know, some Australian mogul or whatever it might be, there wouldn't be nearly the same blowback. But there still would be people who felt betrayed. You know, Phil was turning his back on the tour that made him. But there's a whole other element to this where it just feels a little dirty. But um, I don't know. It's going to be fascinating. I mean, I'll be out there on Thursday to take the temperature of the whole thing. And, and we shall see. I mean, it's, 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 it's going to be an interesting sociological moment for sure. And then the next live tournament tournament is when and, and where, Alan? Just yeah, to... two weeks in, in Oregon, uh, Pumpkin Ridge Golf Course. And so, you know, a lot of players didn't want to fly over to London the week before um, right. the U.S. Open. But I, it'll be really interesting to see who turns up at at Portland, we already know Patrick Reed and Bryson DeChambeau are going to be there. There and Pat Perez, their recent acquisitions of the Live Tour. Um, I think some players who may have been considering jumping didn't want to do it, announce it the week of the U.S. Open because it just adds a whole other layer of complication. But I think there'll be more names next week, and uh, anyone who gets announced will, will be in will be in Portland. So I think that field's going to be a lot deeper and more interesting than the first one. And then they'll be suspended by the PGA Tour. That's the way it would work. The minute they announce, they get suspended. That's the way it goes now? Yeah, correct. But that's written in pencil, you know, not in blood. I right. mean, it's all subject to negotiation. And, hmm. and um, 
you know, they're suspended for now, but we'll see how long that lasts and, and what, how it all shakes out. What a time. Alan, thanks for the time. Greatly appreciate it. Uh, you know, yeah. keep your head on a swivel. You be well. <laughs> all right. Always like talking to you. Rich. All right, right back at you. At Alan Shipnuck on Twitter and Instagram right here on The Rich Eisen Show. Let's take a break. We'll be back. Phone calls and uh, something seen on a road here in California that needs explanation. And I think you guys have to help me with this one. Okay. That's called a tease. Michael Vick, next hour. Jeff Van Gundy, hour three on this Tuesday program. Check out our new NBA show, Beyond the Arc, part of the CBS Sports Podcast Network, where you can find me, John Gonzalez, NBA insider Bill Ryder, and Ashley Nicole Moss, five days a week talking all things NBA. Whether you're looking for insightful discussions, upbeat commentary, breaking news, interviews, or coverage of all the biggest stories in the NBA, our new show is the place to be five days a week. Download and follow Beyond the Arc on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you get your favorite podcasts. What's up, everyone? It's Reality Steve, your number one source for all things Bachelor Nation and reality TV. Every day, I'm giving you the the behind-the-scenes juice and your info on all your Bachelor Nation stories and also interviewing some of your favorite reality stars. My name has been synonymous with spoilers, but I'm so much more than that. Give me a listen. The Reality Steve Podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen. Back here on the Rich Eisen Show, 844-204-RICH, number to dial. Uh, Deshaun Watson is taking questions right now uh, with the Cleveland media he has not faced uh, and the national media that might be there. He has not uh, faced questions or reporters since March 25th. So he's taking those questions right now, and uh, we will turn them around. Bears going the uh, pardon me. Bill's going through mandatory minicamp right now. Um, a uh, uh, colleague of ours, friend of ours, um, I don't know if he wants to be mentioned on the air, but uh, Ethan, this is you. Um, he um, he sent me this uh, uh, photograph, okay? Captured it um, on the roadway in Encin- Encinitas, California. Where's that? Is that somewhere south here? I think so. Okay. I I, I need your help. Okay. He sent this to me. He's like, did somebody lose a bet? I don't know. Maybe you have to tell me. I'll put it up on the screen. It's a photograph of a vehicle with, you see a couple of oh, Bill's logos no. on it, right? There's a Bill's sticker on the, the back windshield, okay? And then it looks like a, a Bill's, like one of those custom-made silver, like small Bill's logo looks like it's a, a logo of the car. Like if, if Buffalo, if the yeah. Bill's made a vehicle, it looks like that that would be the, the vehicle um, logo. But the, the, the license plate says wide RT on it. Oh, no. That's funny. <laughs> yeah. Look. I, 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 and, and was there like a Bill's uh, um, license, plate, license holder. plate holder as yeah, well? Yeah. Why, and the, if you, and the it, car is Bill's blue? If you're a Bill's fan, why would you do that? Wide RT. I don't know. Is this maybe a former Bills player who is a, a right tackle who's a wide body? I I I I'm, I'm like trying to I'm I'm trying to come up with anything that computes. There's only would one. you take the the low? Maybe would you take? That. Would you take? What am I going to get a Patriot? So I have a Patriot sticker, a uh, license plate holder, and a big decal on the back, and then my vanity plate is eighteen one. What am I doing? 
Like, come I, on. Honestly, if I, if I, I'm, I'm a Jet fan. I'm driving around. I've got a Jet logo, and I've got a Jet logo, <laughs> and I've got a Jet license plate holder. What would it be? Uh, butt fumble? <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. BT. BT fumble. F-M-B-L-E. If you're an Atlanta Falcons fan, oh, that's too easy. Uh, well, what about you, tough I, guy? I mean, we have great. <laughs> our history is rich. Not a so. catch? What is it? That would be the low point. What would that be? It would be Dez caught it, and that would be it. Yeah, Dez, Dez caught it. Yeah. like No, but you're, you're now, but that's not the same as this. This is truly a Michigan guy. Like, no timeouts? Yeah, yeah, honestly. Yeah, no T.O. <laughs> botched punt? Great. Botched PNT? I mean, what? Appalachian State. App State, <laughs> yeah. No. Yeah, I'd have to register my car in North Carolina and have a North Carolina plate. Had had to have been a lost bet. Yeah, had to have. Yeah, right. It had. To. But like you wear, you drive around a wearing it with pride. Lost bet. That's what I mean. Like this, uh, this guy has to keep this as long as he owns the. You car. had to register it with a, with a state government. So he's paying whatever the whatever the tax. Yeah, you have to pay extra for a vanity plate. Yeah. Hoskins, is this you? <laughs> he's, I, I think he's. I sent this to him over the weekend, and he's just like, "What the hell?" Diehard Bills fan. So this is on the five going down to San Diego. Whatever. Okay. But uh, would you wear, would you make your vanity plate the worst moment in the history of your favorite sports team? So I'm going to have Red Sox everything, and my license plate is Buckner. (laughs) Yeah. Well, it would be Bucky Dent, depending on how old you are. Yeah, yeah, depending on your age. Like age. I don't get it. This I'm sorry guy. to I'm, I'm sorry to out uh, fellow and his Nissan, but um, this poor guy. <laughs> I'm wow. sure there's a logical explanation. I don't oh, know what it is. is. I mean, I, I don't know what that it is, is but I'm sure that there's Michael Vick, hour number two. Deshaun Watson still talking. <laughs> I mean, just just the Hoskins voice there telling us we're he's, still on peak. I know he's he's, he's <laughs> not happy. Not happy at all. Just not happy. Well, Watson is in like minute ten of of speaking, so he's taking all the. I I have him in my ear, and I heard some stuff. One of the his answers, and it's pretty standard issue. Well, it's just that it's it's still an ongoing process. Yeah, I can't know, talk about the process. I have to respect the process. Asked him what was going on. He said, "I met with the NFL. I spent many hours answering their questions. All I can do is be honest." And then he went on to say, "I realized that they have to do what they feels right for the." league and that was an answer someone asked him about um maybe pursuing a civil suit and he kind of gave an answer about that like that's not really where his mindset is it's just about him clearing his name um that's clear your name kind of where he's at right now i guess you got to clear your name by by having everyone what recant or scratch checked everyone i mean settling obviously still doesn't get this out of the mind's eye of the of the public True. Gets it to go away, I guess. But while there's 26 women who want some sort of resolution, this thing is still out there. Uh, I mean, and he's showing up like he's the leader of this team. And he can maybe not play for an entire year. This is just weird, man. It's not good for anybody. (laughs) It's not good for him. It's not good. Browns. I mean, okay. Let's just reserve. Let's hear what he's got to say. Yeah. Uh, ben Volan tweeted out a video of Phil on the first tee for his practice round. Yes. said nothing but cheers and support for Phil. Okay. Kind of surprising to me. I don't know. 
I mean, fans kind of don't care that he's. I guess not. And uh, and that's the whole part of this. I mean, everybody's trying to wait each other out. You know, PGA Tour is going to try and wait to live out, and the Liv's going to try and wait to see how many PGA Tour players they could pluck off. But there's only 48 spots per tourney, so. Yeah, they can make their own rules, right? Yeah. Uh, suddenly, oh, wait a minute. There's a live tour exemption. It's now 60. <laughs> right. 54. Well, I mean, seriously. They can figure it out. What are they, you know, they're going to go, all those live tour traditionalists would get upset. <laughs> live on hey, Sunday. Wait a minute. You, you know, you changed your rules just one weekend. Yeah, so what? We got a gajillion and dollars. Deshaun's do done. Hour two coming up. <laughs> 